Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Love, 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 only love. I remember the day that I was in Hawaii and I had just completed leading an amazing retreat with a beloved sister of mine and we looked at each other and we said, let us go and tattoo upon our bodies this vow to love only love. And so we took off into downtown Hilo, which is on the big island of Hawaii, and we found a little podunk tattoo parlor. And we both went in and proceeded to go through this ritual initiation together, this rite of passage, this sacred vow to love only love. And as it was being tattooed, we both chose to have it done in white ink so that you have to look closely because it sits in the skin and has become part of my body. I am a big believer in these rites of passage and these sacred vows that we take with our higher self. What I wasn't to know at that time, and I don't even know how many years ago this was now, but it was quite a long time ago. What I didn't know at the time was really what this vow meant. I had done a lot, a lot of work within the mystery schools, the T-Moon Mystery School, and then later into the St. Priestess and Rosa Mystica Mystery Schools and into the world of the Magdalene. But in truth, I was still very, very young when I had this tattoo put on my arm, very young in my journey to what I have now understood to be the way of love. Interesting how we do this, isn't it? It's interesting how we can take these actions in our lives to ground something that is still so nascent within us, that's ineffable, that's somehow still in the in-between worlds, that has yet to really come into full consciousness. And yet some part of us is signaling from deep down within us that we're being called towards our next soul's evolution. I'm so grateful for those moments, for those moments in my life where they stand out as a memory, a feeling, an imprint, a remembrance of something. Because that's truly what it felt like to have that tattooed onto my body was like I was reaffirming a remembrance. I was saying, I won't forget this. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to ink it on my body. That is how um, dedicated I am to not forgetting it. I remember <laughs> previous to that tattoo, I was, this was many years ago, this was maybe 10 years ago now, and it was when I had decided to fully step onto my path of priestessing publicly in the world. And I marked that rite of passage with two tattoos. And I chose to have the seed of life, also known as the six-petaled rose, tattooed on my wrists. And this six-petaled rose, I did not know when I inscribed it on my body, was to become the founding sacred geometry that was going to lead me to the unfurling of the Rosa Mystica, of the way of the six-petaled rose, of the way of love, of the teachings of the Magdalene and of Yeshua, of this deep connection into the history, bloodlines and ley lines of the Magdalene consciousness. I had no idea. See, this is the thing, right? We have no idea, usually, when these things take us. And I remember when I had those two tattoos of the seed of life, the six-petal rose, put on my wrists. And I, I had it deliberately put on my wrists so that when I reached my hands out to others, that it would be revealed. And I had it put in a place where I could see it, where I could be reminded again inking it upon my own skin to remind myself. Now, whatever you think about tattoos, whether you love them or hate them, and people have all kinds of opinions, right? For me, this has been a sacred act of remembrance, a sacred act of marking something coming into consciousness that then would be a guiding map for my life. And so I walk at this time with the balance point of the seed of life on each one of my wrists and on my right arm, love, only love. These have been my guiding principles, the guiding foundation behind my deepest inquiries. And what I've realized is that one of my deepest inquiries that has always been here throughout my entire life has been around the nature of love. What is love? Now, it sounds so very simple to say, you know, what is love? Well, of course, we are all seeking for it, looking for it, desire it. But what actually is it? And for me to begin to answer that, I need to go into some of the darker shadow lands, the hinterlands of my own consciousness, which is what I want to share with you here this week. So the way that I have come to know about love is through my belief, if my inability to be able to love. So in my own life story, without going into lots of details, I'm going to give you the quintessence. My own life story, I grew up in a very troubled relationship with my mom. My mom was very sick when I was a little girl, when I was baby really. And she had a combination of physical and mental illness that was 
debilitating for her and only got more and more extreme and difficult as she went through her life. My mum passed in 2019, which is a miracle unto itself because the fact that she made it to 78 years old with all of the things that she went through in her life is just remarkable. And I have at this time, now, in this 55th year of my own life, with her having been gone for a few years, I have such deep love and compassion for her troubled, tortured journey through life. I really do. But this wasn't always the case. So here's the thing. When I was very little, my mom being unable to function well wasn't able to raise me. So she was not part of my early life in any way that was healthy or that resembled um, a relationship that was bonded in a good way or, you know, was available. And so I wasn't raised by her. I was raised by my dad and I lived with my dad and my brother. And my mom would be in and out of my life and being the highly sensitive, you might as well put in parenthesis there, Cancerian moon, woman that I am, child that I was, this loss of my mom, this what I perceived at the time being her betrayal or her abandonment of me, her inability to be able to show up for me, left a deep wound in my heart. And the wound was so very, very, very deep that throughout my teenage years and into my adult life, I had a very, very hard time forgiving my mom. It was really, really difficult for me to forgive her, even though in my mind I knew it wasn't really her fault. I was so angry. I was so rageful. I was so hurt. It had deeply wounded me in a way whereby I believed myself to not only be unlovable, but because of how I felt towards my mama, my inability to forgive her, my inability to open my heart to her again, my inability to be able to allow her close to me, it led me to the only decision that I could make about that, which is that I was not only unlovable, but I didn't know how to love. I wasn't even capable of love. And as I say that, it makes me feel really tender. And um, and this is what love is. This tenderness right now, that's what love is. So we can fast forward a few years. What this deeper message translated to in my own psyche, in my own soul being, this inability to be able to love another convinced me that I was a horrifying person. In fact, it convinced me that I had within my heart an ice queen, that I did not really care about anybody or anything, that I was absolutely untenably devoid of love. Because if I could truly love, then why couldn't I love my mom? Why couldn't I find it in my heart to forgive her? And I couldn't. And every time I would go into my heart, I would encounter the part of me that was the ice queen. 
that was withholding her love, punishing by not loving, punishing by pushing away, by being unable to come forward. And not only did that play out with my mum, of course, it played out in all kinds of relational dynamics and caused a lot of hurt and pain and suffering for me and for others in my life. I was so convinced of my badness that all kinds of things in my early 20s happened from that. You know, I I really struggled with an anxiety disorder and I struggled with a deep sense of a lack of self-worth and I struggled with an eating disorder, anorexia to be precise. I punished myself in some very cruel ways because I believed myself to be bad. I believed myself to have no part of me that was redeemable because this was like a dirty secret inside of myself, right? And I remember when I first came to America and I went to therapy for the first time. Up to that point, you know, I wasn't raised in a family that would have ever led me to believe that therapy was an option. And when I was in my early 20s, it didn't, you know, the, the, the whole world of therapy hadn't and personal growth was still in its very nascent sort of beginnings in England anyway. And I decided that I was going to train to be a therapist. And so as part of that, and, and really that was fueled by this deep, dark, shadowy secret of my inner ice queen and my inability to be able to love. And I, and this horrible anxiety that it brought up in me and all of the other things that were going on. And I remember going to therapy and for the first time in my life, talking to the therapist and telling her, you know, I, I don't, I'm not capable of love. And her looking at me and beaming back to me this place of unconditional love for me, this place of warmth and love and kindness to me that made me mad. And that was the beginning of a grand unraveling. And it was the beginning of the story of how I have been called to walk the way of love. So we can fast forward many years later. I've done so much work by now, like many of us, right? Uncovering, picking apart, learning about my psyche, learning about why I do what I do and what motivates me and why it was hard for me to open my my heart to my mother. And some point I reached the end of that road and I was like, but I still haven't fully forgiven her. I still can't really truly and honestly sit here and tell you that I love her. Even though I had, you know, done some forgiveness work with myself, I understood that I wasn't actually unlovable. And I understood, and you'll hear me saying understand in terms of a mental construct, I understood that I wasn't that I could love, right? But somehow, somehow, I could not translate that into something that was an embodied reality. It was like there was a gap. There was still a gap. Even though I understood it, I couldn't embody it. I couldn't fully sit in my heart. And I yearned to so deeply. It was like, 
the thing that kept leading me on the journey of my own lifetime. And every one of us has this, right? We have the core wound, the negredal, the the deep shadow place that we are then, you know, gifted with <laughs> as a way for us to be on our soul journey, our curriculum for this lifetime. So it was then, and this was about, I don't know, 17 years ago, 16, 17 years ago, something like that. I happened upon the 13 Moon Mystery School. And the 13 Moon Mystery School, founded by my beloved mentor, fairy godmother, Ariel Spilsbury, was something that entered into my life at the moment where in therapy, I had reached the end of the road in terms of my own work. I, I couldn't I had done the traumatic release work. I'd done somatic work. I'd done Jungian analysis. I'd done all these different things. But still there was this blockage to receiving the mother inside of me, my mother, the great mother, the mother in me. And I remember going and sitting with Ariel for the very first time. I had no idea what I was going to do there. I didn't even know what this thing was, this mystery school. And I went to sat with her and what happened in the period of time that I got to sit there with her was extraordinary. We didn't say very much. We sat in what I now know is an empty presence meditation. And what I was present to with her was this, what I can only describe as a transmission or an energetic resonance or a field of love that was so clear that there was no denying it. You couldn't dispute it. It just was. And she didn't know me. And in that moment of feeling that authentic authenticity, the truth of that love, I said, I don't know what this is, but I know I need to be here. And what happened for me was I got to meet the great mother as an archetype, as a divine feminine archetype, as an energy that was so much bigger than my own mother, that was so much bigger than me, that I could start to feel the presence of this in myself. Now, this was by no, no means the end of my journey to the way of love. It was actually just one of the more of the breadcrumbs because although I had now met this great mother and I knew myself to be lovable and I had this capacity now to hold myself from the mother, from the mother that I never had, I got to feel the presence of the the great mother that lives within every single one of us and not just as an idea, but as a palpable emanation within me, it, there was still this withhold in my heart. And I don't know if you have ever really felt this withhold in your heart. I'm sure you probably have when you get really, really hurt. And this is this protection that we place around it. And, and it can't be rationalized away. It can't be um, somehow you know, reasoned with, it just is. And it, and it's not going to let go until it's going to let go, right? There, That's the, the truth of it. 
And so I did all this unwinding work with all the archetypes and I realized that this was one of my lineages and that I was being called into this lineage and I became ordained within the lineage and it's a big, big, big part of my life and I love the work with the divine feminine archetypes. However, it was another breadcrumb on the trail to something else. Remember the tattoo on the arm? Love, only love. Very soon after that tattoo, I went into a medicine journey. And the medicine journey was with the mother vine, grandmother vine, ayahuasca. And I haven't done many of these medicine journeys in my life because, frankly, they are very, very, very powerful for me. And I get so much healing and information when I do this work that takes me many years to work with and integrate. My intention behind that medicine journey was this. And you're really going to smile when you hear, but my intention was for her to show me what love is. There it is again, right? This, this seed journey, love, love, love. And so this journey was particularly difficult. It was a very, very intense ride. What I'm left with in this moment, the imprint that was left in me was this. I was shown as if through a book of life, flicking through page after page after page after page of my life, like a review of my life. All the times that I had chosen to not be love, to not be love to myself, to others, all of the minor infractions and major infractions of my life where I had chosen not to love, where I had shut myself down, I had judged, I had shamed, I had separated, I'd hated, I'd blamed, I'd pushed away, I had made wrong myself or others. And it was absolutely mortifying. <laughs> Talk about an ego death. <laughs> oh my God. At this point in my life, I considered myself to be a loving person. And it was a little horrifying, honestly, to see in technical glory as you do in these medicine journeys, right? Exactly what was going on there. And so in that journey, I also received an incredible gift which was a direct interface and connection of being rewired into the circuitry of the mother as love. You know those Alex Gray paintings, you've probably seen them, his sacred mirrors work. It was as if I was in one of those paintings where all the chakras and you know, light fields and vascular and you know, pranic fields of light are emanating around me and as if I was being held by mother and mother was me and I was mother. It was one of those very intimate experiences. The next piece in the puzzle of this journey on the way of love came very shortly after that medicine journey when I found myself in Glastonbury in the sacred Isle of Avalon. And I found myself at the Chalice Well, which is the the place of the Red Spring, the beautiful Magdalene Red Spring, the merry energy of this divine feminine 
iron oxide rich red spring. And I was at the the head of the, the fountain where you sit, where the well itself is. And I was there very, very early in the morning. It was like six in the morning and I... I was sitting and the, the, the sun was rising and there was this extraordinary bird song going on. And the birds, I, I, if you've ever been to England, summertime birds are just, oh my gosh, the robins and the thrushes and the blackbirds, just all singing, singing. And I won't tell you the whole vision because I'm going to save that story for another day. But essentially, this was where I first consciously met what I now know to be the Magdalene in a vision. And she asked me very directly, are you choosing to walk as love? Do you choose to vow to walk as love? Now remember, we've got the tattoo on the arm at this point. We have done the medicine journey with Aya. We have been on this quest around love. And of course, in the vision in that moment, I was very clear, and yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am here. I vow to walk as love. Ooh, even now saying it. And so that marked another moment in my life. And I know all of us have had these moments, as you're listening, you'll be feeling your own, of where you've kind of stood at a crossroads with your higher self, right? And you've made these choices. And so, yeah. So the this began, this new chapter of my life, where suddenly this character, this woman from history, this consciousness that is called the Magdalene, obviously Mary Magdalene from history, but this wider Magdalene consciousness, if you will, became really apparent to me. And then that had sent me on this absolute wild goose chase, which I think is one of her <laughs> archetypal thumbprints when I talk to other people who've had these experiences, but has sent me on this wild goose chase now of reading and traveling and talking and meditating and dreaming. What is this way of love? What does it mean to walk as love? Really? And somewhere in amongst all of this, I'd like to tell you that I managed to open my heart fully to my mom and feel that love from me towards her. I came very close before she died. We had a lot of conversations as she was dying. She took a long time to die. And because she was living in England and I was living on the West Coast of America, I was traveling, you know, once or twice a year to go back to the UK and I would go and see her. And for the last three or four years of her life, we'd have these very intensive, very altered meetings because we knew every time we met, it might be the last time. And that raised the intensity. And so I was midwifing her through these years of her fear of dying. And she was terrified of dying. And I truly think she was terrified of dying because she never forgave herself for what she knew had so deeply wounded me. 
I mean, we, we, we couldn't talk about it. She couldn't, she couldn't, she couldn't stomach that conversation. So I managed to eke open my heart little by little by little by little this lifetime over the, what is it, the 50 years of knowing my mom. <laughs> but what I can really tell you in all honesty is it wasn't until she died in 2019 and I was deep in my path already on the way of love and deep inside the practice and deep inside the humility that it brings you to because truly when you ask yourself, you know, where am I withholding my love and where am I withholding my heart? It is some humbling information to receive back. And my mom became, has been, and I'm very clear on this, has been my main spiritual teacher this lifetime. She has been the most difficult relationship and the greatest gift. And it's like I said, I wish I could tell you that before she passed, I felt complete open-hearted love for her. And I'd be lying if I said that that was actually true. But when she died, when the moment that I found out that she had passed, well, I knew that she had passed because I woke and I sat bolt upright in bed and it was like four in the morning. And as soon as I sat up, my phone was ringing and my brother was calling me to say, mom has just passed and he was howling. And I went into a, a deep, deep shamanic process that day where I literally felt my mother leaving my body, which is the most interesting experience. And in that process, over a few day period of time, something happened and I felt this freedom in my heart and this outpouring of love for her, this fountain of love was present. I believe my mother was one of my major initiators onto the way of love, onto that path, onto the path of the Magdalenas. And, you know, there's a lot of history here that we can study around the early Gnostic Christians and around the early Gnostic theologians and the Cath the, all the way through to the Cathars and the troubadours and on into the Avalonian priestesses and the courtly love and the way of love and the rose and the sacred rose. All this information is encoded with this deep calling to the ministry of walking as love. So what does it mean to walk as love? For me, Mary Magdalene gives us a direct embodied experience of that love. If we were to go into the Gospels of Mary, it, which is part of the apocryphal texts, we will see times and instances where she becomes the pure embodiment of love. When she is holding the space for others to remember who they are, not through judgment and separation, but through embodying love, acceptance, unconditional mercy, humility. She doesn't talk about love. She is love. And what I have come to understand about the path that so many of us are being called to at this time, and I really do believe that if you're probably listening to this, then you are part of this wave, is that 
we are being called to practice a deep devotional practice that is about becoming more human. Mary Magdalene and Yeshua in their teachings would use this term anthropos. To become fully anthropos was to become an awakened human. And I remember when I very, very first read that and I felt my own journey and I felt all of the times that I was given an opportunity to choose love or any other version of non-love, you know, judgment, fear, shame, blame, you know, contempt, whatever, you name it. And how many times a day I've been given that opportunity. It's literally multiple times a day. Who will I choose to be? Will I show up in the love? And if I show up in the love, what even is that love? Because <laughs> this is the other thing. When we start down this pathway, and for those of you who are here with me, I'm sure you're going to relate to this, we then get into the whole, whole thing of, well, what actually is love, really? I mean, we know what the feeling of love is when we are sitting in it. We can feel it. But love is ineffable. Love is not something you can possess. And love is not something you can commodify or box in or own or, you know, it's not any of the things that we've been taught about love. It's not conditional on anything. Love is. You are love. You walk as love. You are that energy when it is residing within you, when your heart is open and when you are in a space of compassion, understanding, connection, intimacy, vulnerability, strength, nobility, valor, devotion, beauty, grace, joy. These are all the names of love, integrity, truth, accountability, responsibility. These are all the names of love, right? Love is has many, many different phases. In fact, some would say there's 144 names of love. Now, I could agree with that. There may be more. <laughs> Once we expand our capacity to really understand love, and this is the thing, is in any given situation, what love would say or do is never one thing. It is a process of spiritual maturation and distillation and alchemy with one on oneself to actually come to a place where you are able to discern what love would say and do in this situation because it's never the same. It's never one thing. Sometimes love is fierce. Sometimes love is bold. Sometimes it's sassy. Sometimes it's in your face. Other times it's tender and gentle. Other times it is erotic and, and wild and passionate and free. Other times it is merciful and humble. Other times it is elegant and graceful and beautiful and awe-inspiring. Other times it is, a, is the clarity and the precision and the intensity of the sword. Right? All of these are faces of love. So when we talk about walking in the way of love, for me, it has become a daily practice. And I really do think that this is what Magdalene is teaching us from the ethers through so many of us at this time, is that it's a daily practice. For me, there's a six-petaled prayer that goes along with this daily practice, which is truly about asking me 
And this six-pretal prayer is one that holds me, just like the tattoos on my wrists hold me, to a process of coming in devotion to be willing to feel and look at all the ways in which this day I have fallen out of the center of love, where I know that I have been in judgment, comparison, competition, shame, separation, blame, you know, to whatever degree that it's my own responsibility to be able to discern when I have fallen out of the center of my own being. And the process is not one of thinking that I'm bad and wrong because I did that, but simply shepherding or herding myself back to a place of self-forgiveness first, compassion with myself. There I did it again, right? To forgive myself, to ask for forgiveness from anyone else that I may have been less than loving with. And to come back into a place of devotion to love. To see all the ways in which, you know, what Mary Magdalene would call the seven demons or the seven archons or this, you know, the seven, you know, sins that we could go through. You know, there's so many different names that's been given throughout history and time. But these seven gateways of Inanna, the seven sisters, the seven Pleiades, right? You know, it's like... It's like we're, we have this map keeps recapitulating itself and it speaks to this process of self-purification, not because we are bad and wrong. And so this is the thing that's been so revolutionary in the way of love for me, is, is that what was taught inside the Christian church and imprinted into so many of us about being sinful and bad, right? Being born bad and having to prove ourselves, I, I really took that on. I took that on so deeply. And for me to remember, to come to the realization that from Magdalene's point of view, we are born good. (laughs) We are being born good and that we just are here to remember that goodness and where we do not experience our own inner goodness is because we have forgotten or we have strayed from the path of that love. Sin means to miss the mark. It doesn't mean that we're bad and wrong. It doesn't mean that we need to uh, absolve ourselves and redeem ourselves in the eyes of God in order to go to heaven. That is not the way of love. The way of love is an embodied path of becoming fully human through, now this is the important part, through our imperfection, through where the crack in us exists, through the shadow, through all the ways in which we aren't loving, we are brought to deeper love. It is through our humanity, through our messed upness, our you know, all the ways in which we are less than perfect, all the ways in which we make a mistake, all the ways in which we don't show up in our best selves. We aren't the most loving version. We're impatient. We're unkind. We're cruel. We're, you know, all the things. It's through that that we come to love. We love that in self and it is through loving that in self that alchemical elixir of love that transmutes and changes and elevates our own frequency and we open the eye of the heart to receive our divinity. We see through the eyes of our higher self, if you will. That is the sacred marriage on the way of love. It's not with someone outside of self, although it could be, 
but truly it's between you and your own being. This is where the love lives inside each one of us. And we are charged with unlocking the rose of our own heart to exude the flowering and blossoming, which is a theme that goes throughout Mary Magdalene's teachings, the blossoming and throughout the what's known as the Naga Hamadi scriptures or the early Gnostic or apocryphal texts. This idea of blooming and flowering and blossoming has always been at the heart of this path of love. Why do you think we give flowers as a symbol of love, especially roses? <laughs> and so we come full circle that I'm choosing to release this episode close to Valentine's Day. And Valentinus was an early Gnostic father. And he was a very, very famous, very well followed with a large, large community walking the way of love. So it's very interesting that we have Valentine's Day. When we give someone a rose, which is the most sold flower for Valentine's Day, obviously, and it's the most romantic flower. Why is that? What is that sacred rose symbol showing us about the nature of love? What is it reminding us to? What it is, is connecting to in the collective unconscious? This symbol of the rose has gone throughout history and it's found all over the world. The seed of life is found all over the world in different temples and churches, right? It's found as an insignia. The stone of Magdala has on it the seed of life, the six-petaled rose. In churches throughout France and England, you will find this six-petaled rose. It is signaling to us. And so when we come to celebrate a day of love, every day is a day of love (laughs) on this pathway, Now, there is so much more that I could share about all the threads, but what I was guided to share with you today was my personal, vulnerable journey to finding love in my heart in the hopes that it will awaken within you a deeper devotion and desire to also be in the query of how you're being called to walk as love in your own life more fully. And so I'm going to end today's podcast with a piece that is a spoken word piece that I created with Bamvox and our collaboration Red Velvet Sun last year called Love. May you receive it as a token of love from my heart to yours. May you know yourself as love. May you know yourself as love. Thank you for listening. through any of the masks, any of the withholding.
of the Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings. Blessings.